Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Mountain Buck Monday series of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I have another one of my own stories uh, to share here from heading up to New York. So I'm going to do a complete hunt breakdown of this big woods uh, mountain buck hunt up in New York. First time there, and uh, I the hunt was quick, but packed full of learning lessons that I think could help some of you if you're tackling a new state for the first time. The podcast is brought to you by Spartan Forge, and the Spartan Forge app is utilizes years of uh, military background machine learning to predict deer movement, including GPS data, 30 years of weather, some academic and state research. So all of those things, it's not driven by anyone's opinion. It's driven by straight data. And the beta app is released now. The full version it should be out this week, uh, bearing that there's there's no issues with it, but should go out this week. I'm excited for everyone to get to check it out. A lot of questions on it, but uh, been using it uh, quite a bit, and uh, the GPS mapping on it is is incredible. So if once uh, once this comes out here, hopefully this week, use that code East Meets West to save 25% off of the Spartan Forge app at SpartanForge.ai. Tethered is a company founded on the principles of educating the hunting community on saddle hunting while creating the most innovative, lightweight, safe products for saddle hunting. I'm currently using the Phantom saddle system with the Predator platform on all my mobile hunts as well as been playing around with the One Sticks as well. So the whole package there and uh, actually getting my dad into messing around with the saddle this year too. So it's, it's pretty exciting to get to teach him something that uh, as he's taught me all the things over the years. So check out uh, some of the Tethered products and their information at tetherednation.com. Maven is building the highest quality optics at half the price of their competitors through their direct-to-consumer business model. They want to create the best optics for the job, period. Their products are back with a lifetime, no-fault warranty, and an actual incredible customer experience. What do I mean by that? They're not such a big company that even though they have a lifetime warranty, they actually get back to you right away and are able to help out with that. I'm using the B3 8x30 binos and all my whitetail hunts and the RF1 rangefinder that tags along with me as well. So if you want to check it out, uh, you can use a coupon code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order at mavenbuilt.com. Go Wild is a free social community built by hunters for hunters. Join me on Go Wild today to get 10 bucks to spend on gear for just setting up your account. And you'll keep unlocking Go Wild rewards and you can get more gear with those rewards. Uh, you can now see my gear setups over at my profile, which is just under my name, on the Go Wild app. And uh, use the code East Meets West to save 10% off of all hunting gear on the website. And by the way, Brad uh, just 
released an article over there on Go Wild uh, talking about what I had him on the podcast a few weeks ago uh, about how big tech is trying to you know kind of attack the hunting industry here. I think it's really worth the read and kind of an eye opener when you kind of when you see it all on paper. So recommend checking that out once you download the app. All right. So, yeah, this week's Mountain Buck Monday story, um, I'm going to dive into New York. So, as you may or may not know, that, that I killed my Pennsylvania archery buck the opening day, October 2nd. And since then, I haven't been able to get out and hunt of any sort. Been uh, working on the house and doing a bunch of other things, some chores. And But in the meantime, I did buy my New York hunting license. I've never been to New York before. I've always wanted to hunt it. I don't know why I haven't hunted it. It's, you know, just the state uh, borders Pennsylvania, so it's not that far for me to to get to, but I was really excited about it. I looked at the state and I found a few different public pieces that were what I wanted and for an experience. I wanted big woods. I wanted, you know, some sort of mountainous terrain, which is no surprise to anybody listening to this. That's why I like to hunt. And I want to experience more states like that. So New York was the next viable option there that I could hunt on the weekends and not need to use any vacation time up to try that out. And I'd never scouted it before in person other than online, just Looking on Spartan Forge and finding areas, I marked a whole bunch of waypoints in the last like two weeks, just trying to areas I wanted to look at. Um, but in general, I, I looked at this hunt differently than I did like my Pennsylvania hunt. So in Pennsylvania, I'm typically hunting areas, you know, a few years and I'm putting together a plan and running trail cameras and I'm trying to hunt the oldest bucks in the area and that's just what I like to do it's my goal because I have the time to do it I have the um I have the drive to want to do that but that's not how I look at every hunt I look at everyone differently and I looked at New York as one of those places that I just literally wanted to go into a new area try to pick it apart and just hunt deer I just wanted to hunt bucks I wanted to shoot whatever made me happy. I really didn't know going into it. I didn't know if I was going to pass anything up. I didn't know if I was going to shoot the first antler deer that I saw. I really had no no uh, expectations there, and that made it really fun. So that was kind of my outlook on it. And I'd marked a bunch of places, and the types of areas I was marking was, so we're coming in towards the end of October, so I was looking at more pre-rut type locations, and the area I was looking at didn't have much for vegetation changes uh, other than I could tell from looking at the map that there was definitely some hemlocks and mixed with big timber, but I, but there wasn't any logging cuts, anything like that, that would change it. But, you know, so I was, I was kind of assuming there that um, from talking to other people that, have been in the area before that there's oak trees and acorns and and that sort of thing so i was was more so focusing on terrain funnels more than anything i was marking your typical saddles i was marking some different benches and 
and draws so the top of draws were like it, it's a really steep place so like where it would get steep and kind of flatten off a little bit I was marking those areas and just trying to find clusters of spots to go in and hike and i was planning on just spending the whole weekend up there just walking around and carrying my saddle and sticks and if i found something that i wanted to hunt that i would climb up a tree and and hunt it but the first thing i do when i get to a new area like this is i drove up saturday morning and i drive around and just check out the the unit or the area or the the piece of public that i was on and and wanted to see how the road systems laid out how things actually looked in person versus what they look like on the map, what access looked like, what the hunting pressure looked like. So I drove, I spent two hours just driving around, not in a hurry, just seeing what it looked like. And I ended up going to an area that I didn't even have marked up very much. I had a couple spots marked, but I found some apple trees uh, along the road. And so long as this uh, dirt road, there was some apple trees and there was a ton of them, but there was a couple of them that had apples on it. So I pulled over and went and walked underneath them and checked it out. And there was deer tracks there and a bunch of trails coming off the hill. So because those apple trees were next to the road, it was obvious that even the area where I was parking at was highly trafficked um, by hunters, most likely. So I had... Um, I figured they were coming off of the hills and there was a lot of topography. There's some good points and, and it was an Eastern facing slope and we had a Southwest and Westerly winds on Saturday. So I was like, okay, they could be betting out on those points. So what is my plan of attack with it? So I grabbed my bow. I grabbed, I took my mountain, sick of mountain hauler 4,000 pack. Cause I figured if I shot something, I was going to pack it out. I uh, put my sticks and my, my platform and I actually brought four trail cameras with me. <laughs> I don't know why I kind of had it in my head that I, I wanted to hunt this way, but I figured maybe, you know, years I'd use this data for, you know, next year and stuff. But anyways, it was more or less just weight in my pack at that point. And I, I started hiking up the hill and knowing that it was already, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning by this point, and the thermals are going up the hill. So the best way that I was not going to spook anything by going from the bottom going up was to run the valley or run like the, the bowl-shaped area that was in between it and run those drainages up rather than going up a point where the bucks could be bedded on. So I worked my way up through there. And as I was starting to work up the hill, I had found some sign. There was a bunch of little testosterone driven scrapes no big community scrapes but testosterone driven scrapes down lower near those apple trees and stuff and i was working about halfway up i started seeing some trails that were crossing so going like horizontal perpendicular with the hill and so i marked some of those trails and i just kept working my way up and i was heading towards this saddle that i wanted to check out eventually got up there and uh started seeing some rubs first time i've seen some rubs and and such and that saddle looked great like all of them do and (laughs) like a lot of them do on public land there was a ladder stand there which i give the person credit that they took a ladder stand all the way up there because it was it was like 500 foot of elevation gain from the bottom to the top and pretty steep so they got that up there and there's a bow hanger there lifeline so i was like all right it's definitely an archery spot 
And about 20 feet away from that was a ground blind that someone made out of sticks. And there was a bucket sitting there and everything. I don't know. Maybe that was their rifle spot and the tree stand was the archery spot. I don't know. But there was good buck sign running around that elevation line. So I just stayed on that and just kept working my way through. And it was just like a slight bench at this point where it was pretty steep on both sides. And I was I was finding sign, but I wasn't finding any there's a lot of old acorn caps and rotten acorns on the ground. Um, but I wasn't finding anything fresh for food. So my purpose for going to the top was typically I find a lot of the sign to be on the top. So whether I'm going to hunt up there or not usually depends on the hunting pressure, but I, they lay down a lot of signs. That would at least tell me I was in the right place where there were deer, where there were bucks at. And so I kept working along that line and I, uh, came out towards this point and then I found a climber tree stand and then a four wheeler trail that ran up to it, which there was not allowed ATVs on, on this piece of ground. So I was like, all right, this gets a little more hunting pressure than I'd like. I'm probably going to try to look for a different area. But as I was thinking about it, I was like, all right, well, there's deer sign here. I'm not. You know, I'm, there's always, there's always going to be, you know, whether it's mature deer or just deer in general or bucks in here, the signs there, they're here somewhere. And they're obviously not up as high because of all this pressure that's coming in from the top. Um, so I, I'm going to start working these bench systems down a little bit lower and working across. I had uphill thermals. So as I, the way I worked my way down, I always had to win my face. I was working along, working along, still not finding any fresh food. And I spotted movement down on this little bench and I pulled, well, the deer saw me first and was kind of staring, but I was, I was just creeping along and it was quiet because it had been raining and everything, which was perfect for walking around. And I just stayed still, had my bow kind of in front of my face. I waited. It was like 10 minutes, or at least that's what it felt like before the deer went back to feeding. And I was like, all right, pulled up my binos and I looked and I'm like, all right, he's a small seven point. I'm like, all right, well, if I can get, if I can close the distance within 40 yards, I think I'm going to try to shoot this buck. So I, my strategy was the wind was good. I had to keep trees in between me and his head as I was sneaking in. So I literally just went straight at him, but just using the trees to block my movement as I went down. And I'd cover ground relatively quick because the leaves were quiet. So I was able to get down through there until I got about 65, 70 yards out. Then I was really creeping along because he's starting to move, you know, sideways on his bench, just feeding. So obviously there was some fresh. Um, what I found later was acorns and beech nuts, both in this, this location. So I found an area that was producing this year while that deer was there. I think he was bedded right there and was just getting up the feed. Cause it was like a little before three in the afternoon. So it was pretty early for feeding to be going on, but I, I got to that. I ended up closing the distance to 55 yards and I didn't think I could get any closer to him just cause it was all open kind of below me there. And he was going back and forth and he caught my movement as I tried to take my backpack off and I just froze again and he's looking my way, but he, he couldn't tell what I was and it was a young buck. So I don't, 
maybe an older one i might not have been able to get away with that but nonetheless i just waited and i just read his body language until he was um you know kind of starting to feed again and once i put my pack down i was like all right he's kind of feeding slightly away from me I need, I need to make something happen to get, get an opportunity. So I took my boots and I scraped up the leaves. I was behind a big oak tree, so I kept my body concealed. Scraped the leaves and I made a couple grunts. And I could just see the, the buck's rear end and I could see his tail start to wag side to side. I'm like, all right, he's calm. And he turns and he starts kind of working his way towards me. So at that point, I start ranging trees. So I'm... Um, or in ranging logs and trying to just get an idea in case where he steps out and he, and I ranged this one log that he was heading towards and it was 38 yards or, uh, yeah, it was right on 38 yards and he comes out right next to it. And just for, because he was there and he was calm, I ended up just ranging him to make sure. And it was like 38 and a half yards. So I, uh, at that point I waited till his head was down and I drew my bow back and, settled the pin on him he was calm i didn't have to make any noises everything was was perfect from that side of things and i let an arrow go and i watched it go right behind his shoulder and he took off down over the hill he went about 30 or 40 yards and piled up um and i went running down behind him and he was still he was still um breathing a little bit he was he was definitely you know going to expire but i didn't I've always been taught to uh, keep putting arrows in them if you can, just to end it quicker and put them out of their misery. So that's what I did, and I put another arrow in them. Uh, Another one, he was kind of quartering away at that point and went through both lungs and out his opposite shoulder, front shoulder, and then he died basically immediately after that second one. It was um, was pretty incredible because as I walked, I walked up to him and I just couldn't believe that it happened. I was literally in the woods for four and a half hours and was able to arrow a buck. And like I said, he was a young, small seven point, actually my smallest archery buck that I've shot. And I, it really didn't matter to me because my expectations going into that was just to go in and find a buck and kill him and be able to get meat. If you listen to the last podcast, I had that scenario um, with my Pennsylvania deer and also build that confidence back up that, that I needed um, with my shot process and everything else I've been practicing nonstop since, since that opportunity I had before and just felt really, really good about it. It was awesome. It was like a light rain coming down. I'm sitting there on the side of this mountain by myself and just kind of taking it all in. So I, uh, I didn't, I took a few pictures there. Um, and then, uh, I broke them down and I quartered them, everything there. Got all the, I got all the hind quarters, front shoulders, neck meat, um, back straps, tenderloins, got all that stuff out, put it in my game bags and started to load him up so i put him in my pack i ended up loading the entire deer into my mountain hauler with all my other gear which wouldn't really recommend but i was i was like he was like i said he wasn't a huge deer so that helped it wasn't like i was uh doing anything crazy but 
in the pack out was mostly well it was all downhill it was it was side hill and downwards to get back towards my truck it was i think it was right around a mile a little less maybe to get back towards the truck so i loaded them all up but it was heavy don't get me wrong like i'd go over a log and i'd shift my weight and i thought i was gonna fall over so i was was going down uh, and i uh, just kept working my way back down it was real thick beach brush and everything and and got back to my truck just before dark and was able to get all the meat out, get it in the cooler and load everything up. I ch- had a change of clothes there cause I was covered in blood. If anybody's ever tried to quarter a deer by themselves, it's a mess. <laughs> trying to hold up the legs and do everything and try to keep the meat off the ground. And it was, uh, it was quite the experience to, to put it lightly, but everything about that hunt was some of the, like the takeaways that I had from it is just like, when you go into a new area for me, I, I, I want to cover all my bases. So like you, it's easy to get discouraged if you're not seeing sign, you're not seeing deer, but honestly, until you cover all the different topography layers of the mountain, you don't know what's there. Like it, you look at a map and it doesn't look that big. And you think that by covering the top and you cover the bottom that you have it all, but you don't, there's so many different layers and hidden benches that you don't see on the topography lines within it. And you just got to work them down through. It doesn't matter what you hear on my podcast or anything else. Every area is a little bit different and you know, bucks don't always bed towards the top or the upper one third, or it's all dependent on food. It's all dependent on hunting pressure in the area. And you just got to kind of adapt to it and, and figure it out. You know, again, my, my process was I was hunting, you know, almost pre rut rut, you know, that's what I was looking at that time frame. So I wanted to find does and to find does, I need to find food and without any, um, like uh, without a ton of browse, like logging cuts or anything, I, I knew mass crop was going to be the ticket if I could find it. And those apple trees in the bottom were, you know, they might've been that food source they hit at 10 o'clock at night, but it wasn't what they were going to hit in daylight. So I just kept looking and, and that's where that deer was. And the only spot that out of the entire, that entire hillside and couple valleys and ridges that I ran there that I could find acorns and and beech nuts i mean there might have been other spots but as far as what i found that was it and that's where the buck was so for me it was a it was a pretty cool experience to go to a different state and be able to get that done get some meat in the freezer and be able to to come back home with it so what I did not know when I bought my tag was I actually have New York. When you buy that out-of-state tag, you get an archery, either sex tag, and then you get a rifle buck tag. So I can go back up in rifle season and hunt again. So that's what I'm probably that's what I'm planning on doing. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was a really cool hunt. It's fun if if you if you're used to. I talk a lot about hunting new areas, but if you're used to hunting your same spot all the time. Um, nothing wrong with that, but it is really fun to go into a, a new area without much expectations and just hunt and read the sign of what's presented hunt. You know, I typically hunt from a tree a lot, but this situation had me scouting slash hunting from the ground and to slip in and 
pull some Western hunting skills out of it and spot and stalk them. Like that, I don't know. I, I was just so excited. I was grinning from year to year, the whole drive home, um, thinking about that hunt. So anyways, I hope everyone else is having a, a good start to your season there. Uh, I definitely have a horseshoe up my ass <laughs> so far this year with, um, only two days spent hunting, um, and two bucks on the ground. So I'm very thankful for that. Um, but it just goes to show that putting in the time scouting from the first hunt and then this one just kind of reading the sign and what it was showing to me and it ended up working out in in my favor so lastly i just wanted to mention if you want to see a, a photo of this deer you can head over to my instagram it's just under my name Bo martonic at bow.martonic on instagram or you can find Bo martonic on facebook you can check that out and i did film this hunt as i did in my pennsylvania hunt I did not film the shot, but I filmed the, the whole experience that I will have on YouTube at some point. So head over there and uh, subscribe to my channel, which is just under my name, Bo Martonic. Again, hope everyone has a, a good rest of your season and uh, we will talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.